What's up, everyone? Welcome again to another episode of Doc's Point of View Podcast. As always, I'm Trey, your host. And if you're new here, this is a place where myself and other corpsmen discuss things about the Navy, about our lives, about anything that we can think of. You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, We're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash podcast, pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. But today I am joined with Ian. We catch up again. Our first episode didn't pan out because of technical difficulties, but this conversation that we had is nothing more than something we would have inside the workplace. So please enjoy. Have you ever had one of these? No. Got water. It hits the soda craving. Mm-hmm. Wait, t- what is it? It literally tastes like Mountain Dew. To me, it does. Huh. Never even heard of it. But it's water with caffeine. Pretty cool. I found this uh, nice canned coffee. La Colombia. Mm-hmm. They make one with like chicory root and stuff in it. Yeah. It's actually really freaking good. I've tried the cold coffee. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. I, it's because it's not black. Well, uh, if I if Stoke, I had a Stoke it, makes a cold black coffee. If I can find a cold black coffee, mm-hmm. or just brew my own and commissary, you get a liter of it for like five bucks. St. That, that I need to try. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna try that because it's really good. <laughs> the the like if you go into the MCX and get whatever name brand canned co- canned coffee it's gonna have like milk sugar all this other mm-hmm. crap in it that Always. I don't want to taste because uh, I, I, I drink hot black coffee I don't want I drink it every day even on the weekends it's just something I do every morning it's part of my routine that fiber as long as it's just like a cup and you're not going crazy on it yeah. no but I can't I, I go crazy on it I can't drink it past nine ten o'clock in the morning uh, if I I make it in French press so I'll have a liter of it there yeah. I'm like, well, I ain't going to waste it. Yeah. And then I drank it all, and then I'm like... <clears throat> what I do is I, I have one of those mini Mr. Coffee Pots. Mm-hmm. No idea how many, how much it makes, but it's mm-hmm. like a smaller version. It's not a main, It's not a big coffee pot. Yeah, one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. So I fill the whole thing up to the brim, and I, and I put like seven scoops, so seven teaspoons, tablespoons, mm-hmm. and, and, and to the, the maker, and then... I drink a cup on the way to work in a mug because mm-hmm. I'm old school. I like that. And then I'll drink like out of my thermos throughout the morning. Yeah, man. Yeah, those things basically make the big mug. Yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to have a huge thermos. So I just, because you'll, I drink like, drink it. <laughs> well, I'll drink it. I either drink it too fast or it gets too cold too quick. Cause I don't like having tops on it either. I, I like to take the top off and just drink it like a mug. 
just it's just how I am. Yeah. Okay, so welcome uh, again. Uh, and for those that don't know, we recorded like two and a half hours the first time, but I had some technical audio issues, and it really sucks. But here we are again. Resilience. Yep. First name Ian. Last name no one's gonna know. It's a mystery. <laughs> mystery. And uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, it's good to be here. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's a Friday, and we're not at work, so it's yeah, pretty cool. We got nothing better to do. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll see where this goes. Um, trying out some new audio equipment, so hopefully this pans out right this time. Maybe I shouldn't have tried it on you this time. Oh, Maybe. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll find out. Christen it. <laughs> I think it'll be all right. Um, so without like going two and a half hours into your background, just give me a good brief description of what you've done so far. Well, uh, straight out of high school, I started EMS. Uh, did that at a community college. Didn't yeah. think I was going to do much with it. My buddy just wanted to do it for a summer class or whatnot. Jumped into it. Ended up getting a job at the steel mill mm-hmm. in it. So I was doing, I added on uh, firefighting and hazmat to my little repertoire there. Uh, worked there. They don't work at a steel mill. It's a bad way to go. Uh, so did that for just over a year. Uh, I was doing college at the same time. I was working towards physical therapy, but... I transitioned to a physical therapy clinic as a PT tech, moved up to PTA, and that was a good idea to work in the field before finishing the degree. Yeah. Because from that point, I was able to see the things that aren't so publicly known. Mm -hmm. On the outside, physical therapy, it's... You're going to help your patients and they're going to learn to walk again. And everybody's going to be, you know, you're making them better and happier in life, more functional. Yeah. That's only true with like the young crowd. If you end up working with a very young population, awesome. Feels great. You see them bounce back and get stronger than they ever were. Maybe you'll see them again someday, whatever. But you get like stroke patients. Uh, or older the older population in general they have repeat injuries a lot of the reason they're there is from habit so either not doing something or doing something every day that is slowly wearing them into a lack of range of motion and eventual injury and then there's traumatic injury and well medical like stroke can't really do much for it try to help them but yeah i mean you know where it's gonna go yeah i had a patient i worked with for nine months and we had her walking talking smiling having you know moving like a functional person and then one day her husband rolled her in a wheelchair and it was back to squeezing play-doh so another stroke yep yeah some people are prone to them and you just don't know yeah Though it's, it is necessary and it's respectable work. So that boss, uh, he was actually the general manager. He started up this whole chain. He ended up making four different clinics up in the area I grew up in. 
great guy. And he taught me, you can't motivate people and all work is honorable. Of course, yeah, sure. Maybe but. maybe what y'all did actually helped her uh, maybe prevent a stroke even sooner. It, it Increasing still, blood flow. Uh, maybe it helped some, and yes. she had maybe a longer life because of what y'all did. And then oh, in that case, it is honorable. Well, the thing about it is you're training a lifestyle, yeah. and nobody, almost nobody goes in there understanding that. I'm not going to just get better. Yeah. I'm being given tools that I have to use, and I have to adapt for myself, make them unique to me, and keep on advancing. Yeah. Otherwise, we all, so like loss of motion in the hip, you know how everybody like goes into the walker stance? That's loss of hip extension. We're supposed to have 10 degrees. Everybody that came in there, zero. Really? And that was, that was like high end. Like, <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. We're all missing hip extension because there's not, we don't walk up hills backward, let alone run. The knees over toes guys uh, gained a lot of popularity. And he talks about it. I've, I've watched his videos where he has like that triangular platform that you st- you stand on and do squats or whatever mm-hmm. exercise on. Then there's the like pulling a sled backwards. Yes. I haven't tried that yet, but the gym I go to on base has a turf field and a sled. Yeah. Maybe I'll try it this week. I weekend. think I know the one. Do they also have the belts on the wall with the chains so you can actually just hook it around your hips? Because that's... Uh, yeah, it, I, I think, yeah. Yeah. Because they have a dip bar too. And yep. you can just do the like the the weights around the hips. I'll just drag that sled for like five minutes and figure eights on that uh, astroturf. So I go right hand cut, left hand cut, right hand. Yeah. Yeah. But it's useful. Yeah. Okay. So you're like a PT tech. You mm-hmm. went to college. You got your degree. Well, that's the thing. I ran out of money. It so happens a lot. From the clinic, I decided to do study abroad for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, where? Semmelweis University, Hungary. Oh, so, you were, so you stayed in Hungary for what, a year? Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, I went over there. Uh, semester went great. And then my college, my actual college that I uh, went through to get to Semmelweis was like, all right, give us this much money. And I was like, well, hold on. That's like two grand too much. What's going on? It turns out they charged me for a meal program that I didn't receive. Oh, Because wow. Semmelweis didn't have a meal program. Yeah. <laughs> so then they're like, well, if you can't pay, you're not a student. I'm like... I'm not in the country either. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm stuck here. My plane ticket, it's not till like next May. Mm-hmm. I've got a while. And this is like in December at that point. Yeah. December 15th, 2011. Yeah. So they basically disavowed me as a student right there. Mm-hmm. And I just had to figure out what to do the rest of the time. How did you do it? Editing research papers. So, so you made your own income to keep going? Oh, well, I couldn't go through Semmelweis at that point because they were completely reliant on my university over here. I won't blast them, even though till this day, 10 years, over 10 years later, they're still holding that debt. On like you? I've, I've tried to talk reason with him so many times. The whole time I was over there, I was trying. And it was the head of the foreign exchange program. Yeah. Specifically, I was talking to. 
she just wasn't hearing me. Everything I said, she just, nothing. Well, I mean, it was all in email. Yeah. So I guess maybe some level of urgency was lost because I remained too cordial, maybe. Who's to say? But I ended up getting kind of abandoned in Europe for the next five, six months. And uh, yeah, grading research papers. Not just grading, but actually editing. Because there's four other universities there. One of them is Central European. There's Mm -hmm. a good uh, business university. Met some friends there. But they'll pay you like 20 uh, euro a page. And the big thing is they're not native English speakers. They're from all over. So they're They're really relying on you then? Mm -hmm. Okay. From India, Africa. uh, We had a guy from Iran. They're all over the place. And they just want their paper to be more appealing to the Native American or Native English, blame my last, speaking ear. Yeah. And that's what I did. That's cool. With proper grammar. (laughs) So. That's pretty cool. So what, so when did you decide to join the Navy? Well, that was 2012, came back. That point, uh, started helping out at a, I was doing metal work for a uh, restaurant supply company. Mm-hmm. So I was like welding in oven bays and stuff, doing repairs. Oh, cool. So I had history with that. Uh, helped my dad with auto body while I was growing up. So sheet metal. Yeah, pretty natural. Okay. And really the debt that was hanging over me with the college, it was about 16 grand right there. Yeah. You know, two semesters is what they actually charged me for. They charged me for the semester they disavowed me for. So not only did they abandon me, but that they charged, charged me, me another 10 grand. <laughs> yeah. As well. That's, yeah. that's wild. Well, 8,600, but on top of the other two, it's over 10 grand. Yeah. So at that point I was out of money. I wasn't going anywhere and I couldn't use my transcript to transfer colleges. So, next logical step, hit the reboot button. So, I went with the Navy. Originally, I was looking at the Marines because my uncle was a Marine. I mean, two of my uncles were Marines. There was Air Force, two Army, just both sides of the family, plenty of military background. And I liked Uncle Steve the most, so. Yeah. (laughs) Went and talked to the na- or, uh, Marine recruiter. He <laughs> Yeah. So I had an old ASVAB that I did in uh, high school. And he was like, are you sure you want to do this for the Marines? Maybe you should go talk to the Navy. <laughs> was it high? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I ended up redoing it. And then I got higher because I went through college. And then I just spent a bunch of time editing research papers so I got yeah so it all basically I never stopped learning up to that point cool yeah so 95 Uh, that's pretty high yeah I'm surprised you're a corpsman with that score I was 27 wasn't gonna go nuke they tried putting me uh, crypto or radar you should have went crypto man (sighs) I got good eyesight crap hearing i didn't want to lose my eyesight in front of a computer monitor yeah big joke whenever you're 
inputting things into CFCAs and Alta. Yeah, we're around the computer a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, really. Yeah. But, I mean, 10 20. No. <laughs> was it 2010? 2010. That's, yeah. You can see things at 20 feet that should be 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 2010 is pretty precise mm-hmm. sight. Yep. So I didn't want to lose that, and I already blew out my hearing. So radar sounded ridiculous. That's so a hard job. I think I hear it. <laughs> the quick way deaf, to have some voices in your head. <laughs> the deaf radar operator, just yeah. to be that guy. Everybody would have hated me. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't have a Corman slot open. And the other thing I was thinking was Intel. So an Intel specialist IS. They have four main specialties, and it can range from boots on the ground ordering arty strikes to giving morning briefs, just basically being a personal news anchor Yeah, for whoever. Uh, talked to somebody that did this, and she lived in London for four years, just briefing a general one hour in the morning, and that was her entire job. That pretty sounds nice. pretty nice. <laughs> Just living really in good. London, making that pay. And then she also got her top secret. So if she ever wanted to get out, six figures, any big name company. Like, She's going to do just fine. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. The thing I... So top secret clearance is the best uh, degree. That's hand quotes. Not a degree. Yeah. Yeah. That you can get because it's everybody is going to compete for you. You can get a job with the three-letter agencies or you can Fortune 500, six figures. They're just going to fight tooth and nail just to get those people with uh, top secret security clearances. Yeah, I, I kick myself too because they offered me CT and I didn't. Here I am. Could have had top secret. Could have been out, you know. Yeah. It happens. I mean, I like I like my career, but... Could have been better. Could have been rich. Could have been rich. <laughs> Compared to Richer? us. Oh, yeah. yeah. Compared to us, it's rich. Like, straight up. <laughs> I don't know if they have bonuses, but I, I would assume... I assume they have probably higher... Just to keep them on. Just yeah. to keep them, because they can easily get recruited elsewhere. Mm-hmm. They're too valuable. There's our, like, how expensive... I think it's like a half million dollars to get somebody that clearance. Is and that how much it costs? Just to entertain them. As oh. being able to get it because there's no guarantee they will. No. A lot of people don't get it. There was a guy that loved socks. That's all. He collected socks. It wasn't any kind of, you know, weird stuff. <laughs> no. He just, he was a sock head, the same as their sneaker heads, but he yeah. didn't disclose that. And then in their interviews, they found out that you collect socks. Lots of socks. Are you embarrassed that? Of course, they never said that. They just said denied. Because what they're looking for is anything that you are embarrassed of, basically. We're trying to see. I don't know. I mean, that sounds like a wild story. And I, I, I'm going to assume it's true. Um, I can only assume. <laughs> I'm somewhat skeptical if that's the real reason. Sure. but. I mean, uh, I don't know why he collected the socks either. I was just told that it was maybe his bestie isn't. Maybe yeah, his sure. bestie doesn't have. <laughs> and that's probably what they thought. <laughs> this guy's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everybody collects something. Socks is not going to be my choice. But the way it was 
uh, presented to me is like if he would have been forthright with this is my hobby or passion or even if it was any out more outlanders than that if he would have had a complete shameless disclosure like yeah, yeah this is what i do this is what i do why don't you do it too yeah get on board i love yeah. it uh, <laughs> that would have been fine i i get i get it though mm-hmm. i mean if you if you like socks that have like screen prints on them i mean or sure. patterns there's I whole like there's whole stores that sell nothing but socks mm-hmm. i only wear wool socks it's not <laughs> it's nothing more than they are super effective like, like modern wool, wool socks? Oh, heck yeah. yeah. And like merino wool? Yep. Yeah, okay. They also have the, so if you go to the NEX, mm-hmm. you can get the, they're like, I think it's like 15 bucks for three pairs of these things. Super thick. Yeah. Just not, or 75% wool, 25% cotton, nothing else. They're hard to get on and off, but they're the best thing on a ruck. The, the best socks I've had, one, which is a very niche company is Ninji. Mm-hmm. They had the toe socks. Mm. I'm not. I'm not embarrassed. I have those, and now I love them. They're weird though. They look. But hey, you're weird too because you wear the five finger shoes, right? Oh yeah. I love those shoes. My I, wife thinks I'm very weird because I, I have those. Mount Humphrey in them. She makes me. She made me throw away my pair. I had that pair for like 12, 15 years. I still and, have and mine. I only got rid of them because they started being unglued. But you're 14. I'm on year 14. They, that's the only reason I got rid of them. The fabric mm-hmm. was still good. The sole was still good. They're probably one of the cleanest things in the world, though. They're so, good. Uh, I. You know how you do it is sand. Wear them in the sand? Put sand in them. Oh. Uh, it dehydrates the whole inside and then... Cleans it out. Just, yeah, just scrubs it. You exfoliate the actual shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and then wash them. I want to. I want to come back to this, but uh, so you joined the Navy, right? Mm-hmm. And you went straight to lab school or lab tech. Oh yeah, it was not my choice. Yeah. So okay. So you went to core school. You went to lab C school, and then did anybody ever go over that? What you can choose your rate, but not the specialty. I think people I, with Reddit and a lot of social media now. Mm-hmm. There's so much information where a lot of people understand. At least if they look for the information and they find that, that information is out there oh, where yeah. people are saying, hey, or there's, I, I see so many posts on Reddit where, hey, what's the chance of me getting field med? We're like, nobody here is going to be able to answer that question. The it's time all, and day. It's time and day. What does the Navy need at that time? And that's pretty much it. Who had a crazy idea that they thought we're going to mobilize this. Yeah, it, so so you're not you're not guaranteed that, but a lot of people, I mean, if someone's listening to this and they don't know that you make it a C school out of A school and you didn't choose it, then you might want to research before you join. Yeah, I mean, you could just fail the C school. You still I've keep heard, your A school, but don't make whatever do. threats. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of threats mm-hmm. of people, even to this day, that I know are not true. It's just a scare tactic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's one way to get someone to do something when you can't physically force someone. Well, that's the thing, because they're paying for every slot in that C-School. and I think it's bad. I mean, it's a it's a crappy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to get somebody doing a specialty that they're not passionate about. 
it's it's crappy no matter what. If you put someone into a C school and they it's crappy on the person if they go, I'm gonna fail out on purpose and I've met those and they end up not being a good person they're not a good sailor in the first place. Because they're now they're jaded and they're like, Oh, the Navy yeah. screwed me over from the beginning. Well, uh, they didn't. You're just you're not a you're not that high <laughs> you're you're not as valuable when you first join as when you are vested and in because mm-hmm. they can't like, they could force us to go to C school but it's never sure. been a thing but they can force A schoolers because they don't have much they haven't been around the block yet you know yeah so it's the, it's the easiest way it's like well, we're at A school we need people in this this is what we need send them but then you get sailors that don't want to do it they get jaded if they are that or even if they fell out they're jaded and they're not going to be high performers probably when they get to the actual fleet no or their first duty assignment and that sucks it's weird how that it's like a rule of mouth or a, a word of mouth that somehow follows people that fail out of sea schools it's well they let you know about it too yeah <laughs> or it, it as an lpo you're gonna know because they're like where were you where's this four months what's up with this gap what's up with this gap yeah, yeah. It, it, that's what that's what's gonna happen and that's why you don't leave gaps on your resume people start asking questions <laughs> okay so you went to a school labs lab tech c school mm-hmm. what is it called now uh, advanced lab advanced medical laboratory technician yeah mlt yeah you wear the you wear the wet white what is it white lab coats mm-hmm. and you run samples for um, most of the time on shift work right oh yeah yeah and what's unique about you is you we, we talked about it last time and we went in depth but you did a bunch of a tour you did a tour with the army yep. a, a majority army command it was uh yes it and was then, an army base at uh a joint hospital yeah so purple purple okay yeah, yeah so you had a purple command yep which is pretty uh, i mean that's that's unique um I'm finding out it's not as unique because there's there's other places specifically in that area where there we have joint. Mm-hmm. We we work with other people. I w- even when I was on the West Coast, I worked with not with Army. We did have Army providers come to Peds Clinic because specialty providers because we had an Army base like an hour south of us, mm-hmm. and they had more money, bigger as facility, better f- specialties. And they would come to our clinic once a month and do a, a, a panel of patients, and be, you know it's like a like a cardiolo- uh, cardiologist for pediatrics. Um, there's there's some type of respiratory doctor as well. I probably sound real dumb about this, but there's a lot more specialty doctors that came up there and did just that for that specific those specific patients, and mm-hmm. then go back down to the army. And even we we sent. If we had any patients that needed overnight care, our hospital would just boot them to that army hospital because they were a robust oh, yeah. hospital. And we were a stripped down, uh, either a stripped down hospital or a robust clinic. It's, it's the best <laughs> way to ex- explain that. But wow. then after you did your army, right, the army tour, you came here, right? Yep. And you've been here for a couple of years now, I think, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Just passed my two-year mark here. So you should be picking orders. I extended. Oh, I didn't know that. Twenty twenty-five. Yep. You extended your PRD. Yep. I didn't. I didn't see that. 
I think it was while you were on leave. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was like, but, I, uh, I would have I would remembered you put in a PRD adjustment. Yeah. No, I called up the detailer, asked them. Why did you want to do that? So the school, I'm still in school. <laughs> I yeah. will always be a student. Me too. So. I, every year I'm, I have student status of some yeah. sort. Only instead of physical therapy now, I'm trying to upgrade my laboratory ability to MLS, medical lab science. Are you trying to go lab O? I could, but really I, think I just... it's like one of the easiest ones to get into well, it's, as far yeah, as MSC. Because nobody wants it. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a lot of responsibility. Every lab O I've met loved their job mm-hmm. and loved the Navy. Well, you got to be passionate. Like you got to be very... Well, you know it just makes doing. sense. Yeah. It, what would make more sense if they made you a chief warrant officer? Oh, yeah. That would be cooler, I think. I don't know if it would make more sense, but it'd be cooler because most lab O's are going to be a lab tech first. Mm -hmm. So if you're the officer version of a lab tech, why not just make that the chief warrant officer version? Have that ability there instead of going through becoming an officer. Yeah. So you could stay somewhere between. Or what, what is it? LDO doesn't require a degree, right? One of those doesn't require a degree. I think it's LDO. And I sound probably pretty dumb there, too, because I'm a career counselor. And I should know this. I don't know. But most, I've only known of like one corpsman go LDO. And that's, that's, not, that's not saying much because I'm, I'm sure there's plenty that go LDO. Mm-hmm. It's just that most corpsmen, if they commission, they go nurse, EHO, IHO, uh, PA, doctor, whatever. Mm-hmm. whatever and, and and any of the other MSCs so the doctor route's actually what I'm putting in for that's why I extended here mm-hmm. so the school uh, well rotations clinical rotations are going to go through 2024 at least halfway in so what June 2024 right where are you going to be doing clinicals what right over here at the hospital uh, so you just open up communication between the hospital and the school and they can work that out for you. So what was going to happen is my PRD was set right around the end of the clinical rotation to where there's a possibility I wouldn't finish the clinical rotation before uh, my PRD and then I would have to go to another place and restart it. So what'd you put on the request? For schooling. For school, uh, just yes. uh, match PRD to EAOS for schooling. Oh, so your EOS was past your PRD. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes it even easier. Simple. Some people are it, it, it gets difficult when they have no reason. Yeah. Or sorry, sorry, their PRD is typically their EOS mm-hmm. because they just didn't always serve to meet these orders. Mm-hmm. And what you have to do sometimes is you have to do a PRD adjustment and then extend them out. But you have to have a legit reason why. You can't just go, oh, I want to stay here another year. <laughs> it's nice here. I like the water. Because even when you put in the uh, PRD adjustment, they may ask for like documentation or whatever of like, well, I, I hear you, but prove it <laughs> kind of thing. So that was actually a thing. I made sure I called the career counselor before I even routed paperwork. Yeah. I was like, hey, if I put this through, is it just going to get shot down? Because Did you talk to the HM2? HM1. Then you do this before I even came here. Well, before I moved out to career counseling. Oh, no, no, no. My uh, detailer. Oh, detailer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, no, okay, I, okay. I called not, the detailer not the before I even routed paperwork. 
just to make sure it wasn't just going to because then you would have been waste that time and then I'm in my window and yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah. like okay so is it approved hey you're you're a stand up sailor yeah. and you did the right thing cool thank you I just didn't want to waste time. thank you I, I, this past month I've been dealing with a bunch of people dragging feet people waiting to the last minute to change their mind I, I was dealing with uh there's these two sailors right they're married they have a kid one works at a a battalion on base the other one works with us right Mm -hmm. and his page two reflected him single but he's getting bah so as far as s1 is concerned that's bad right that's telling the navy he owes money back right Mm -hmm. because his page two didn't say he had a wife or a dependent but the wife at the other command and i and we've been talking with the ccc has been talking back trying to figure it out yeah she um, she's getting single BH, but she shows as a a sailor with dependence. So she's not getting paid enough. So they're all jacked up. And then he we've been trying to do so this guy was supposed to, they were gonna get out. He was showing me the house he was going to buy and everything. Like I'm out. Peace out, right? And then he got orders somewhere, and she got orders somewhere, and they weren't co-load. But he's like, I'm cool, I'm fine, because I'm getting out. Oh, my. Then her orders got kinked, right? Because I, I, I think she got, I think she denied Albuserve. Mm-hmm. So she got back-to-back orders where she's at. So she's supposed to stay there. And they're like, oh, well, now I want to stay in. Like, you can't do this. You're at, like, eight months from transfer. Like, this is bad. You're not supposed to do this. You're supposed to do... So then they're trying to put Colo in. Oh, you're like a year late, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But he finally gets a hold of his detailer, which he was trying to make us to do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a you problem. problem. (laughs) You did this. (laughs) And if you pull anybody in, pull your chain of command in. If you all can't figure it out, then call us. And that sounds rude as a career counselor. But if I helped... Everybody that needed to talk to a detailer, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any time to do anything else. Either way, you would have been playing telephone. Everything you talk to the counselor about, they're going to be like, "All right, well, what about this?" I'll have to go talk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call him back up. Hey, he wanted he, to know so this. The, the wildest thing is that he got approved for cola <laughs> with orders in chop. He was about to have hard copy orders. Oh my. And that he called a detail and said, hey, I'm putting a colo in. And he goes, yes, cool. If you get it signed off, sure. And I'm like, dude. We, What's going on with the why detailers? Don't we, why don't we, uh, well, they're being very nice. I can tell you that right now. Suspicious. <laughs> Retention issues. Exactly. Because if he wouldn't have gave a colo, where would that sailor be? Hmm. Out the Navy, right? So yeah. maybe that's part of it. Maybe that. We're assuming that maybe part of the, the that's got to be thinking. a linchpin. That's a what logical, I'm thinking, honestly. It's a logical thing to do, I guess. Yeah, uh, so that, that was a headache. But if that's the worst thing part of my day, I'm okay, right? I mean, no skin off my back. As long as there aren't three more people doing the exact same thing. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Speaking uh, of which, speech. okay, uh, let me meet, uh, introduce you to someone. <laughs> uh, I, I love coming to work every day because 
you never know what's going to walk in or what, Honestly, what situation. I, I mean, I, I even had, we had stuff walk in today. I'm like, dude, it's Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why are we doing this on Friday, dude? You had, <laughs> you had Monday through Thursday to come in. Got a 96 going. Yeah. And we have a 96 this weekend. Like Friday is not a working day. <laughs> like you shouldn't be, it should be come to work, tidy up or, you know, yeah, tie off uh, any loose ends and go home, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah. It, the wanders of Greenside. What I've realized is I don't know why anybody wants to dodge uh, Greenside because we get so much time off. It's perfect, man. They put out their schedule at the beginning of the year. You know what days you yeah, can what, plan your leave. You can plan your leave. At the beginning of the year and be like, hey, this day and this day and this Just one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're, you are you have your blue side and green side experienced. Mm-hmm. Lab tech. What? Awkwardly double green. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of double green. Um, yeah, I had... Uh, how, how do you like it? Just as a... If I'm a layman or if I'm just a random person, I mean, do you think it's a fulfilling job? It is the best job I ever had. And that's uh, going against like physical therapy, uh, metal work. Metal work is fun, uh, but that's a hobby that you can take with you. I still have a garage. Yeah, I mean... But, yeah. Metal work would work. Keep busy. This is my hobby, and I also do woodworking. Mm-hmm. Trying to get into laser engraving because that's a good side hustle for the military. I had a uh, master sergeant uh, neighbor. He actually just got a laser engraver. It's not that much of an investment, and it would pay if you if you're proactive. It should pay off pretty pretty oh, yeah. quick. Yeah, there's tons of people that want uh, little custom knickknacks and that. And and if you if you become the guy mm-hmm. at the command that does go away plaques, yeah, or paddles. What and what I, I've been re- watching a bunch of videos about them because you can spend several hundred and get an, an adequate one, mm-hmm. or you can spend up to like two grand and get like a semi professional one. Mm-hmm. And then there's some that are like six grand, ten grand. It depends how good you want to be at it. So that's. That's actually a good thing to talk about. Like, what is going to be your career versus your job? Yeah. If you should enjoy your career. So when I was working at the Army base, we had a doctor. She was a pathologist. She worked closely. So I was in the blood bank as a blood banker. Cool, Uh, cool. I, I very much enjoyed blood banking. But she would primarily show up to shop with us and then she would go out to every clinic in that hospital and she would be coordinating with them there was one weekend she called me on a radio phone from the swiss alps she was on a ski trip and she was just giddy with this great idea she had about one of the patients and i was just like it's odd man i wish i was you (laughs) this is your life that's career right there like you gotta, it, if it wakes you up, like you don't wake up for it. It wakes you up with a new inspiration of how you're, you're gonna solve this to go problem to, or yeah, change something. Yeah. Excited to go to work, you know. That's where you wanna be. It's pretty awesome. If you're just working a job, start saving that money. And if say engraving, metalwork, woodwork is what you want to be your career, well that is what a hobby should be. You shouldn't be wasting money on a hobby. You should be investing in yourself, growing, getting better at it till you can become a master someday. 
And that's what you retire to. If you do the full 20, now you have a pension, but now you invested all this money into these tools that you have been training with for those years. Yeah. Because you can do that in the military. That's, uh, I've always been in music, f- photography, videography. Mm-hmm. I've dabbled in all of this stuff. I've, I've never, there's not been a time where I wasn't into something I guess media, media related, mm-hmm. you can say. And I was just thinking the other day, I was telling my wife, like, <coughs> I, I would be satisfied if I do my 20 and then just get out and just play around with this type of stuff. Cause I mean, you can like, if you got, if you have a niche, yeah, uh, you can get revenue with this stuff. He's Eas- easily with a podcast. And which this is not, I'm not gaining revenue for this. This is strictly a hobby. <laughs> Plus it's, I don't even think it's allowed. So, um, <laughs> when you retire, it's different. Exactly. Right? Um, but like video, uh, wedding photography, mm-hmm. portrait, family portraits, easy money. Oh yeah. Dude. I know I, somebody I else paid, that did that. I paid someone in the command. So this person has a side hustle. They live in our same neighborhood. We found them on Facebook so it wasn't like a weird, uh, mm-hmm. you know, frat thing or whatever. Just go but over to your neighbor and be like, I, good we at paid this, her right? 50 bucks for like 10 photos. Dude, that's, that's easy. You both saved money. Like if those, if. Well, that, and that's not even expensive. Mm-hmm. But if you paid, I would, I'd be ecstatic if you paid me 50 bucks to do 10 family portraits. Mm-hmm. That's easy. That, it, it was like a 20, 30 minute session. And if you, the way they do it, because uh, the the female dependents on base, they had they had this monopolized. Oh yeah, I tried. They to got get, their arts and crafts, and I tried to get into it. My, uh, oh. I tried to get into photography, made a Facebook page, advertised it, everything, and I got nothing. Crickets. The I did do market saturated. It's just saturated. <laughs> yeah, you're, and, and if you're brand new and you don't have. If you're not just giving out stuff for free almost, you're not getting into it because there's already established people with established prices. And what they do is they'll be like, I'm doing a rodeo and I'll do like every 15 minutes, I'm going to have a client come in and I'm going to do their portraits and you're going to pay me 30 bucks. And if you do, I mean, that's a lot of money, dude. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money if you do a couple hours of that. And it's not that hard. You know how much money you're, you're spending to go do pictures? Nothing. You're, you're driving your gas. You're, you're spending money on gas. You're using the equipment you already bought you have for equipment. what it was meant to be used for. And I, I spent all my money on all of this for a hobby. Mm-hmm. I could easily turn this into a revenue stream. That's what it should be. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, your career should this evolve right now, out of what you love. This right now is practice. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is a stepping stone for whenever I get out or if I have another route. Wouldn't even call it. I would call it a foundational stone. So yeah, 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 yeah. So the job that you have, you get money, you get your disposable income. It is scaffolding. You build scaffolding around nothing because you didn't build the building yet. Yeah. So as you have that scaffolding, invest in it, just, you know, but it puts you in a position where you can add the stones on top, build up, build up, build up. And just little bits at a time, you build that solid stone structure and whatever rickety scaffolding you have, or I mean, be a professional at it too. Make safe scaffolding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it right. But the whole time, like, if you're investing your money in, like, new spinning rims, unless you're building them, 
like with your sweet CNC equipment and selling yeah. them, you know? I I, I just I, I just find like graphic design, podcast, photography. I've all, I've been doing landscape photography for years. When we moved here, well guess what? The landscape sucks. It's so, a swamp. It's a swamp. You're not getting great uh landscape photography here. Mm-hmm. There it there is, but it, you're talking about you gotta go out and find it. When I lived in the West Coast, I could walk out my front door and take a picture in any direction and you're gonna get something cool. Mm-hmm. So it was a good place to learn how to do landscape. Uh, but to what they what like wedding photographers, videographers, they charge for a wedding is ludicrous. So much money because it's supply and demand. The but demand there's not is that many set. of those. That there's not many of those people or those businesses. Mm-hmm. So well, they also have to have the reputation. That's the other thing. The reputation. So when you're starting is, off, you're going to lose money. It's the same projection. Like the IRS expects businesses to report losses the first two years mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. Like if you're making profits on year three, they're still going to be like, mm, what's going on here? Yeah. Oh, oh, front, huh? You know? <laughs> yeah. But that's the whole thing with the hobby. You were going to be putting your money into it. You take mm-hmm. that same money that somebody used to put a cherry bomb on their exhaust, put it into a tool that you're going to use, grow your skill, get better at the tool. And it turns out to be a professional quality tool that you will continue to use instead of buying garbage i did i mean when i was younger yeah i would spend money on stuff that didn't matter mm-hmm. now i'm more of a i would have a utilitarian approach to things tools i'm only going to buy something if i need it mm-hmm. i bought this the other day i needed it because the other one i was using wasn't working i bought we this found out yeah we found out i needed i needed something better and i didn't have to spend much money what i do i sold a bunch of other stuff that i haven't been using to mm-hmm. afford it so like consolidate i consolidated Got some money, bought some new, new equipment. What I don't understand, and I used to be these people, these 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 people on base, they they had these huge trucks, and they never touched the dirt. But I call them pavement princess. Mm-hmm. But uh, eight hundred dollars on a tire that's going to erode faster because on the road. you're riding on the road, mm-hmm. and then you keep it on the road. <laughs> you just spent. $3,200 to make loud noise while you drive to work. That's it. Yeah. You now make more noise while you drive. That's it. Nothing else. I drive a hatchback Corolla. And that's like the definition of economy car, I'm pretty sure. I think it is the most bought car in the country. Tacoma, right behind you. Tacoma yeah. is... <laughs> the truck. I just don't like how the shallow... Truck. I don't like how shallow the the floorboard is on the comas it feels like you're sitting on the floor i actually so you can see it on the hood whenever you're looking out through the windscreen you see a bunch of hood in front of you like it's just like a vast expanse and i think that's that kind of lines with what you're saying there like if you were if it was, if it was looking down in. to see it, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> like I had, before I got the Corolla, I had a F-150, loved it. It didn't look nice. Mm-hmm. It was in good shape. And I bought it because I could throw my bike in the back seat because mm-hmm. the seats flipped up. And I had kayaks and kids, long trips, huge back, uh, back seat. 
It, it was great for utilitarian purposes. Yep. It had all-terrain tires, but not mud tires, right? So if I needed to go off-road, if it was a four-wheel drive, I could do that. Yeah, and you didn't feel bad about it either. It's yes. like, oh, no, I hay-centered it. Oops. But I got rid of it because it, it, there was a rust issue going on. I got, I was like, nope, not doing this. Yeah, I was getting 15 miles per gallon. Bought me a Corolla. At that army base I was working, I completely rebuilt my 1990 Dodge Dakota. Like I'd done. When Dodge was good? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I've this, had a Dodge. Here's the crazy thing. So if you get a tiny little four cylinder, so it actually had an Iron Duke in it. Yeah. I only figured that out after pulling it apart. Like I, I was down into the cylinders at that point and I was like, wait a second. This, there's something up with this engine. Like the volume was off, <laughs> but that just, uh, that was a good find. But yeah, those uh, years that I was at that base, I was going to the automotive skill centers and I was just working. I on utilized those a lot at mm-hmm. the first base I was at because it was like, what is it? Five, $6 a lane, but you get a industrial lift. Mm-hmm. So making changing oil and all, even the little stuff, it just paid paid itself off. Cause so it, at this place, it was nine dollars an hour for a lift bay. Okay, so but what I did is, well, when it came time for the transmission, lift it. They had a transmission jack, which good luck doing this in your garage. I did it in my garage. That's rough. It it, it was a pilot bearing, and if you know what that is, it's the it's where the shaft comes out. Mm-hmm. Of the engine goes through the pilot bearing into the transfer case, right? If you're not transmission, it's, it's a stick shift. All right, so then the clutch. It goes. Th- it's where you're going to be there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You well, see I put the, my uh, Jeep up on blocks, and I pulled the trans off, and shoved it as far back under the Jeep as possible because I didn't have the I didn't have the Jeep high enough to pull the trans out, mm-hmm. and I I built a trans jack. It's called two by fours on rollers <laughs> and, 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 ratchet, and ratchet straps. And, and uh, I pulled it off and we bought the, it's basically a metal rod. You push it through the pilot bearing, it wings out and you have this slider handle. It's a slide hammer. They use a knot of body for pulling dents. You want to remove the dent the same angle it came in. So often what you'll do is a little tack weld of washer. Cut the washer in half, grind off the paint, tack weld. It has a little hook on it, and then just... Yes, the problem was I didn't have any leverage because I'm on my back under a So Jeep. you're just doing these short strokes? Just <laughs> So it was it was back and forth of... Yeah, it was, it was miserable. Throw your shoulder out. <laughs> yeah, it was miserable. So we're, we're using the grease method where you, you shove so mm-hmm. much grease in the pile of energy so it pushes it out. Pop it. Physics, right? I did that too. We would do that for 20 minutes and then change it to the slide hammer and then go back to the grease and then change. And we did that for hours until it finally popped out. And we bought a new clutch kit, put it all in there, put the trans back on, almost didn't get it. It has to be aligned perfectly mm-hmm. or it ain't going on. And it took us hours just to get it lined up right. Because, I mean, it's a huge, heavy piece of metal and you're under well, That's why the transmission jack is great because it's all strapped it's in worth, place and you can it's worth tune it. Yep. Paying someone to do it or buying the right tools and doing it that way. Or just going to an automotive skill center. Yes, if you live on, if you're on the base. Yeah. I used it once. <laughs> I I guess a lot of people use it definitely on this base. A lot of Marines are mechanics, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, 
see a lot of them just in the lot. I was one of those two. They're not supposed to be. (laughs) I was one of those two. Push it out under the trees so nobody can see. (laughs) It's like, he's not even on the lot anymore. What do we do? He's dumping oil all over the ground. (laughs) Uh, It's like, it's okay. I used the the bay, lifted my Jeep up, and I was changing the oil, but the bolt stripped. And it was after... What did you use? Someone used an impact wrench to That's put what it I on. I so same Here's the problem I was though. talking about. I used, did that. They had the they had the tool set where it's like a spiral and it grips the metal, so you can take strip bolts off. It's made to take off strip bolts. Yeah, you just put it in a drill. It, you just put uh, it in a drill. It the opposite direction. And it, yeah, it's it, a bolt it, puller. A bolt puller. Yeah. And you drill, drill a little pile of tool not, and just... Yeah, you can tell I'm not a mechanic. Mm-hmm. I'm a redneck mechanic. I don't know the names. But, Make uh, things work. The other option is just welding something to it that does have a head and then just cranking that. Yeah, I'm not a welder. Done so that one too. <laughs> I took it off, but here's a here's the dumb thing. Uh, I didn't buy the new oil pan bolt. Mm-hmm. So now <laughs> I have a... <laughs> And if you know how to... Success. So I didn't have a... I had a Jeep with no oil on a lift paying by the hour. And now I don't have a replacement. Be right bolt. back. Be right back. So what you can do is... I've done this too. Just drop it down off the lift. Push it down into the yard. And push like it into back, a parking yeah. spot. Yeah. And I would do that like every day. I would take it off. Actually, as soon as I got anything off that I was done working with on the lift... I'll just roll it back into the lot. So I actually pulled the transmission. I rebuilt or went to rebuild the transmission. Like I bought the transmission rebuild kit. Here's the crazy thing that you know it was better Dodge. Plus it was a weak four-cylinder clutch. Like it was a manual. A four-cylinder truck Mm -hmm. with a a stick shift. Yep. Oh, wow. It was the way. And man, this thing was like, this is about how high my head was off the ground. While I was driving that thing, it was tiny. Yeah, yeah I yeah. loved that thing. Yeah, I actually yeah. carried that engine up a hill once. It was small. You could stand in the engine bay with the engine. All you had to do is move the radiator hose, and your feet were on the ground. That's how my F one fifty was. That's how my first F one fifty was. I've had two, and then that's definitely how my Dodge Ram. I had a ninety four Dodge Ram single cab. Nice. It was a tank, but the transmission went out. I had a Jeep clutch went out the, the pilot bearing well the yeah so that i actually dodge did the, and jeep have had terrible yep. terrible uh the good thing about the clutch though so it will take so much of the force away from the transmission like i opened the trans up the, is fine yeah exactly on I, the jeep. I looked at the synchros on the tranny and compared them to the new ones i got like out of the box and they were identical like the machining marks were still there was no dogging of the gears nothing it was in perfect condition yeah. I mean, this little, this little four-cylinder thing, it was uh, started out probably 90 horsepower in its prime. At this point, it was probably down to like 60, right? <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. all, use the gears wisely. Yeah. But whenever I, would, I actually dropped the tranny, there was this like thick gunk, like probably like three-quarter inch thick, like all in the bell housing. And I was like, what the heck is this? Is this like burnt oil or something? And it was just, just thick as sin. It was the clutch. Like the clutch plate was down to just like the fiber oh, that wow. it was originally. So on. my clutch was fine. It was just the pilot bearing that was wore out. Because when I pushed the clutch in, it would it sounded like a hawk 
was under my car, <laughs> like a dying hawk. <laughs> yeah, it would it would squeal so loud, dude. It, it was embarrassing to drive anywhere. It, it was bad. But we just bought a clutch kit, yep. and that was. It's like I just replaced the whole thing. Two hundred some bucks instead Not of even, hundred bucks. Yeah, but the option of having somebody redo the transmission, like two, two grand. grand. <laughs> hundred bucks. My Jeep was on blocks for a month because I had a job, but I had a job. This was still living with them, mm-hmm. and we would do it after hours. We'd do it a couple hours a day, and we were. This was like prime. Was watch YouTube videos. Yep. But this was like 2010, 2011. So YouTube wasn't as robust as it is now. Yeah. Not that it wasn't robust. It's just you have a lot more options now mm-hmm. on how-to videos. But we we just you know redneck engineering. Yeah, man. Sometimes and then I sold it because I didn't want to deal with it. I ended up giving mine to my buddy up in Pittsburgh because, uh, well, had to weld the frame. Mm. And Ohio is the only place in this country that you can have a welded frame. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't patch your frame anywhere else and have it keep road legal. And pass inspections. Well, no more inspections. Alabama doesn't have inspections. And that's where I'm Tricky. from. Tricky. So you can do pretty much whatever you want. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's scary in Ohio. Yeah, so, hey, uh, <laughs> I'm sure Ohio is probably the same thing. Yep. If you let them do it, they will. Back to the knees over toes so i i just bought some minimalist min, minimalist shoes because mm-hmm. I, I i run in ultras so do you i got you on those right yep zero drop Love them. cushiony just the best i have them on right now but i don't want to wear these out but by mm-hmm. wearing them every day so i i wanted to get minimalist shoes for a while but the problem is that like if you want to buy vivo barefoot it's 160 dollars for a pair of shoes. Yeah, don't want to waste them. And if you want to get Zero shoes, X-E-R-O, which I, I want to get those because I like the guy that runs that company. Pretty cool dude. Runs. And runs the company, yeah. <laughs> and, and I listened to like an interview of him explaining his from day one to now, which is really good. But he wants like 80 to 120 bucks for a pair of minimalist shoes. And I'm like, it's just a piece of rubber. Yep. And some fabric. And it's not much of anything. So I watched this video of this dude. Like, he found some on Amazon. And they had like 16,000 reviews. And they're like four something stars. So I was like, this is a no brainer. They're 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I have them. I ordered them. We'll see what they, see how they are. But I've wanted, been, I wanted to get, I wanted to get into minimalist shoes for a while. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do the sandals too. But my wife will probably leave me if I walk with sandals in between my toes uh oh sandals with straps in between my toes she's like i, I can't do it uh, i'm not gonna do do it with socks on well, i wear socks with chocos just uh, I'll, i will be that weird to do with just walk in one day honey i've got something to tell you i'm german <laughs> <laughs> just like tube socks going up to your knee <laughs> just flip-flops i i i <laughs> or in the west coast People or where I was, people would wear socks with sandals all mm-hmm. the time because they want to wear sandals, but it's too cold there. So they would wear <laughs> socks with them. Socks with Birkenstocks, socks with Chacos. Nobody wears socks with flip flops, but if you have sandals, 
Yeah, people wear socks with them all the time. Man. How, uh, have you, have you had anything besides the five toes? Or barefoot. That- like, I was barefoot most of my life. Like, I would always, like, run on gravel and stuff. Every time I'm camping, I just go, no shoes. You just feel the ground. I don't think that's even safe nowadays. Uh, well, it was never perfectly safe. So there's something a- about laboratory. There's uh, hookworms, right? They can actually, or uh, serracea, they can swim right through your skin in the water or even burrow from the dirt. It's yeah. not so common in North America, but there are plenty of places out there where these things... It's kind of like, it reminds me of those like bot fly. Um, yep. Yeah, there's bot fly, sand fly, black fly. There's quite a few flies. But they just all. like, they they burrow themselves in you mm-hmm. and it looks like a zit. It looks like an abscess. Yeah, but it's their it. larva. It's a larva and they have hooks facing out so mm-hmm. it can't come out. So you're really ripping these things out of your skin. Oh, yeah. Well, there's also bacteria that ride, you know, insect vector. Tons yeah. of bacteria. Yeah. And some of them are pretty pathogenic. Tons of people getting ticks here. That's the only thing we have to worry about. Uh, I grew up with leeches and ticks. Yep. Any any in any water and any brush, you you're probably gonna find a tick in the mm-hmm. summer months. I usually check because I run a lot and hike is whatever, so I'm always in the brush, right? Like a trail run. You got to check yourself like immediately when you get out of the brush. Yep. Yeah, you give it time, and so I always felt when they bit me. I can't like, feel it. There was one time that one bit me. And I didn't feel it. For whatever reason, I only found it dead. Like it was, <laughs> I don't know what I had in my laundry detergent, but it just straight up died on me. I, it's like, well, right. somebody at work the other day was pulling one off their leg that was there for days. Oh, man. And I'm like, dude, you need to go get checked. No, I always got like a, a little, like a pinch and a tickle, like an itch. I was feeling, I feel them crawling on me. Because when I run, like they're going to get on my ankle and yeah. my legs. Cause yeah, I run I've had that too, where I just like brush them off. Almost always shorts. So I always feel them because they, 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 when they crawl, they itch. For me, at least. So my, well, I was hunting with my brother one year, and he stepped up on a log. He stepped down, and he was like, I have ticks on my leg. And he pulled his pant leg up, and he had eight ticks crawling up his, eight crawling up his leg. Like yeah. they just got there all together. Like, what are these things doing? Like, they're just having little sessions, just waiting. It's like, oh, let's go, guys. So what? when I, I went through one of the PMT courses, like an organic one to our command, because mm-hmm. they want people that are PMRs to check water when you're in the field, check yeah, for bugs. Put them to work. Yeah, but our, our PMT shop is, like, robust now. So this is back when there's, like, three of them, <laughs> you know, or not that many of them. Mm-hmm. So, so ticks will, they hang on to like the grass. Yep. And they just they throw their hands up. Like kind of just don't care. Uh, <laughs> they, they, like they, they, they described it as like those uh, car wash dudes. The, not the dudes. The Wacky, waving, inflatable, arm flailing. Inflatable dude that waves his arms. Yes. That's basically ticks and how they get you. And they just wait till you walk by and they snag your hair, yeah. snag your socks. Whatever. Yeah, it's... Winter months, they're hiding on rodents, deer, 
everything in between yeah. that stays warm in its little burrow. It pops out, and as long as it survives, no predators, then they all jump yeah. off whenever it gets warm out because the environment is suitable enough that they can hang out on a leaf and be like, next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had a leech on you? Yeah, yeah. Those actually, are creepy. Yeah. I, I hate those worse than ticks. I had, uh, I picked up a 75-pound snapper. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And its shell, they were like burrowing over. into its freaking shell. I made That's it a point bad. to pull every last one of those off. <laughs> we, uh, I went to this church camp when when I was younger every summer, and they had a lake, a pond. It was mm-hmm. more of a pond, and it was just a breeding ground. And we'd jump in every now and then. Yeah. And it, it, no matter what, when you came out, you had multiple leeches all over your leg. Yeah. And that's just creepy. There's something psychological about like having to pull something that's sucking on your, on your, you know, skin and trying to get into your bloodstream. I think it coincides with like having a needle in your arm. It's like yeah. a very, yeah. very it's, tiny it's very, object, but just the th- fact that it is interacting with your like blood. It's just like slugs with teeth. I mean, they don't have teeth, but proboscis. But yeah, they have something. Yeah, they do things. Yeah. <clears throat> Managed to get bit by a locust, of all things. Or a cicada, I guess. We have those here, I think, yeah. as well. Because you'll see the big... And where I grew up, you had like the shells of them mm-hmm. on the trees where yep. they like came out. Yeah. Or they exfoliated, whatever they, whatever you call it. Yeah, they uh, molt. Molt. So what happened is I actually... It was back in college days, and I just like picked one of these things up, and I was it was just like clung to my thumb and I was like oh that's cute and I was just kind of walking around with it uh walked around long enough that it actually put its proboscis into my thumb it was like it was a like a sewing needle yeah yeah like it was very noticeable I was like oh that's new didn't know they could do that but it actually makes sense because they can do that into bark so of course your thumb is not much of a you just don't we don't we just don't usually see it I guess well, nobody holds one for five minutes straight, apparently. <laughs> You're the first one. Yeah, just for science. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, bite for, me. For bite science. me. I hate it when people say, is, is, you don't believe in the science? Or, <laughs> and I don't want to go into a political rant, but. The, so, natural science. Science changes people. Yes. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. It changes people. And it changes People. Comma, commas are, are important. Yeah. It changes, comma, people. Well, I mean, they, they, there was a report that they made a uh, viable human embryo without using uh, male or female gametes. Uh, I think I saw something about that. And where I think we're starting to get into some touchy waters. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, as long as Did you the, see the science is out there, people are going to start messing with it. People are always going to be... Trying to push the boundary. and that, uh, Jurassic Park. That's right there. <laughs> Life will find a way. Remember What's Jeff really funny is the fact that we're mimicking movies at some point. Mm-hmm. What is it? Science follows art. Art follows life. And then there's a there's an argument that... I was watching this video the other day, and like this guy had one of these death experiences. Mm-hmm. And he said that there's these like two characters he met like he died right mm-hmm. he legit died and they brought him back to life and he came back right but in this realm that he went to there's these two characters that he met and he said they looked exactly like these two characters on on a movie and I think there's an argument where people think that 
maybe the person that created that character also had an experience like that. And it's kind of like going in full circle. So the, you mean the creator of the movie, the writer? Yeah. So they designed the character based off an experience. Maybe they designed the, the, the character based off an experience. And then when this guy had a similar experience and he saw characters that looked just like that, maybe that's not a coincidence. Get what I'm saying? Maybe. Or it's something like a convergent evolution where they're just archetypes that your brain would naturally shift towards. I mean, if we're going more towards random, but. I, I find that stuff so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and you got to be, depends on who you're talking to, I guess. Oh, yeah. Because if, if you don't believe the same thing that person believes, then you're not going to come to a agreement. Accord. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's not a thing. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I believe in questions. I, uh, I, I watched this video of this guy, and he's like, he had a, a death experience, and then he came out a different person. And I was like, it's pretty cool. But Some people go to prison and come out a different person. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different type of near-death experience. Uh, yeah. No, it's good to know that people can change, though. And yeah, sometimes it's just that quick, like something in their head changes. There's actually a phenomena where uh, I think it's like medium speed automotive or uh, motor vehicle accidents, right? Or collisions, they call them now. Can't prove it was an accident. Uh, <laughs> they'll Collision, hit their head yeah. and they won't believe that their mother is their mother. Like, out of all the characters in their life, for some reason, they believe their mother is an imposter. That's weird. And that's a repeated, it's a syndrome. Oh, really? Yeah. That's something to look up later. Uh, You'd have uh, yeah. fun with that. I think that would be right up your alley. I'll look that up. I, I like psychology. Oh, yeah. It's Not there. so much sociology, but yeah. <laughs> uh, psychology is really cool. Because uh, yeah. once you like realize or understand principles of psychology mm-hmm. and you're like ah that's why that person does that or that's why that person behaves in this manner it's freaky whenever you go through like child development of like freud and people will straight up tell you it's like oh yeah seven years old you think back and it's like oh yeah super ego mm-hmm. cool is it id <laughs> and then, or id id i mean that i always just heard id I, 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 well, I didn't go into a class, so I was just reading it. Oh, yeah. Well, I just read it as Professors say ID. id. Oh, so professor, okay. The id. Yeah, it's like ego, id, and then like superego or something. Well, you start with the id, you develop ego around three, the superego around seven. Yeah. So in the ego, you understand that you are a person, you exist, and you are, you know, in a real world. Yeah. But you haven't maybe appreciated object permanence yet. So that's somewhere around like five. But the superego, it comes in pretty dang late, around seven. So this is actually a big contention of uh, philosophy and law. If a child is to perform a heinous act, say murder another child, before they even developed a superego, they're basically not even a person. Yet. Because in ego, everything's about you, correct? Well, you can't, you don't understand that other people have egos themselves. Yeah, yeah. They exist. That's the idea of the superego, the above. There are more than myself. Like others have autonomy. Yeah. We share this world. It's not just mine. But that's the ego basically is built off the id 
and the understanding of everything is about me. And it's not until it's expanded. But yeah. And so if you're if this, a parent and you don't know those three terms or haven't read it. Mm-hmm. Lots just, of misunderstandings. Lots of mis- High expectations where there should not be. It's like, that's not even a person you've got there. That's not That's an animal. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you are housing a feral beast. <laughs> Yeah, psychology really opened opened my eyes uh, a lot. We'll say that, and I want to keep studying psychology. I I I, th- I feel like it would be something I would love to get a master's degree in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I rate that because my my bachelor's is in in more of an earth science. Mm-hmm. It's environmental science. You could do a minor at least. I I really want to keep studying psychology. It's just so cool. I think everybody should, to the extent that they can understand that people are people. And whatever your expectations, you will be let down because solipsism. We are I have a hard time separate. judging or not judging, uh, balancing the, are we treating this person too nicely? And I'm talking about work now. Uh, mm-hmm. Are we coddling these people? Well, this or, is what we end up at. Or <laughs> do we need more empathy? And I think it's both. But like there's, there's a... Like right now we have people that should be promoted, but they also failed their PRT. Mm-hmm. No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, they're supposed to get qualified and pinned, but they failed their PRT and they're waiting on their bad day to redo their PRT. But mind you, they waited till the last second to do their murder board and final board. And then we even gave them some extra time to get it done. Why are we? Why are we? Why are we coddling these people? Like that person's literally had two years to get to the call. Mm-hmm. They waited to the last second, and at that same time, that same week that they're doing their murder board, which we gave them extra time, they failed the PRT. Why are we being so nice? Because what we're doing is we're just we're not pinning them until they pass their next. To pass their PRT, and if they don't pass the PRT, I don't know what we're doing. Well, I, from my point of view, as HCFL, I think the physical fitness is actually the priority because our members should be physically fit. Physically fit is we a higher a bunch. it's higher up on the met or readiness than a qualification. Yes, that's yeah. So if you can dangle something in front of them to make them run a little faster, a little carrot on the stick. Have that pin on the on a stick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I mean, it might be a little demeaning if you literally tie the pin on a stick and be like, "All right, run," and then run in front. <laughs> metaphorically, if anyone's listening, like, he metaphorically, didn't, he didn't have to do this. He chose to do this. <laughs> I it, it it frustrates me because we're like, well, people they give you some excuse, mm-hmm. and I, and when I say they, I'm talking about leadership, uh, people who also are in the Channing Command with me as far as the FMF call. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if it was up to me, they would have been delinquent and signed a page 13 and and been and they can re-enroll. They lost their chance. And then when you compile that with a PRT failure, so say this person passes their PRT, they're good in the Navy's eyes and then they got their qualification as well. They are squared away sailor. Mm-hmm. Are they? Maybe now. I I, I, mean, I firmly believe people can change, mm-hmm. but guess what? Sometimes it, it it takes some repercussion before that person changes. Might, and it, 
Maybe it doesn't require it in this person, but we're setting a terrible standard for anybody else that may know that person's situation. So right now you just define the judicial system. Like when is it proper to punish? Because once again, like, so I argue that psychology and philosophy are hand in hand. You talk to a psychologist, they're like, yeah, 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 get yeah. out of here. Yeah, yeah. I'm just the outside view whoa, 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 over whoa. here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're, as a society, so the individual is nothing. When you have two of them, they can get something done versus another individual. You get three of them. Now you have a gang. And then you keep on adding till you have a society. Now the society has to turn back around and go against their own individuals. Not necessarily against, but they have you, to. That starts early on, though. Well, sure. It's, it's what we eat, live in now. Eat your own. Mm-hmm. Even, as like, even in the first class mess. Yes. People eat their own and they know who not to go to and who to go to mm-hmm. for help. Who's capable. Because for whatever reason, individuals excel at certain things. Maybe there are even some that excel at seemingly everything. You can't really tell like what somebody's reasons or motivations uh, for being excellent are. And you can't determine why somebody has a delinquency. Maybe they actually did just get a bad hand and they're temporarily stunted. Maybe they're going to be a late bloomer like Einstein or whatnot. When, when it's reasonable, I'm all about helping the person out. But if you have t- 24 months to get a qualification that takes two months at most, as far as memories, memorizing mm-hmm. some of the core content, that's all on you. It's a personal problem at that point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on about my day, and I'm not going to feel bad at all to sign that page 13 and put it in your record. You can The policy is that you can re-enroll yep. and get your pen still. And that, hey. Oh, you could rush right through it. And, and You already and did the board. You do already it again. did the board. That's fine. You know how it goes. But when you re-enroll, everything goes away. You have to redo yeah. it. But you already did it. So you know At least you, you can know do it. You, you know you can do it. Yeah. And Just study again for another week. I, Make sure you didn't dump. Go back at it. worked up, but... I, I can't stand it when people can't pass a PRT. It's the basic requirement. I see it all the time, too, on Reddit. Hey, uh, I'm struggling with my weight. And the P- it's PRT cy- cycle. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I want to help you. You're, you're like, you're you're months behind, though. I, I can do three back-to-back PRTs before I drop down to the wow, uh, like satisfying. excellent. Oh, drop down to excellent? Yes. Yeah, but you're like I've a PT that. stud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, but yeah. Well, also in fairness, like the PRT itself is an exercise that you should be able to do any day, any day of the week, every yeah, day. Yeah, but you know, people prepare Once for that a day. for months, and then and then and then you take the people that aren't cutting weight. There's people that w- come up to like a month before they're going. They're, oh, oh, okay. Oh, I'm God. doing the late PRT so I can cut weight and make sure I make the yeah. 39 inch. Well, we know what happens there. Like if you have ever watched like UFC. You can see when a fighter, like, oh, need to cut weight. Cutting weight is terrible for you. Yep. In that instance, when you see someone that's like literally starving themselves the week before they weigh in, you're only hurting your body. It takes time for just just think of the hormones themselves. Like they are trained to slowly adjust because if they adjust quickly, oops, now you just gained 50 pounds. Now you just cut 50 pounds. Like you would die so quickly. You cannot survive in this world if you can change your whole chemical makeup yeah, yeah, that yeah. quickly. It has to adjust slowly. And if you try to rush it, it's still going to go slow. It's going to start on that tangent. You can and all that's going to happen is it's just going to get confused. You can lose and gain weight 
pretty quick mm-hmm. and maintain a healthy levels of hormones and everything. That's if you didn't push them. So lipase, for instance, if you have a lot of fat on your body, you actually need an adequate amount of lipase to be able to utilize it. Yeah. A person with a lot of fat will, or somebody that gains a lot of fat will actually have, should have higher lipase levels. So theoretically they could absorb more fat too. Everything they eat. But the person that is much more lean, that doesn't have as much, you know, adipose tissue being used, they don't really have the, their body doesn't know the need for higher lipase. So they might eat something with a lot of fat in it and just not absorb as much. Yeah, I, I, I just don't, I don't feel bad when someone's like, I, I can't cut the weight. I was like, yes, you can. I, um, I think these people were all trained poorly as children. Some Something's not right, and I probably sound harsh, but... And I and I would I would sit down with anybody and help them. I I've gone mm-hmm. through weight gain and weight loss. I'm not special. I'm I'm not I'm not the most lean person either. I'm healthy. I can go run whatever mileage you tell me. Mm-hmm. Can I go squat three hundred pounds? No. No. Can I go <laughs> bench? Can I go bench two hundred something pounds? I can't even do that. Bench is terrible for you. Bench hurts my shoulders. But it hurts everybody's shoulders. They just lie to themselves. <laughs> It's like, hey, so there's only like, you know, the back portion of your shoulder. That's where all the bone is. You want to just drive the bone into the bone? I don't see why not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I do it with 300 pounds? You betcha. <laughs> Being a good, healthy weight is 90% psychological, I think. I I think I. there's something to it. There's there. Everybody me, has anxiety. For me, the it. The, it there's a mental switch I had to make. If I'm gonna, if I need to go mm-hmm. lose 15 pounds, I have to make this hard switch. To be like, I am gonna quit eating garbage, and I'm gonna be consistent with my exercise, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna monitor what I'm eating so I can main, gain or lose, you know, that up to half a pound, up to a pound a week, and do it slowly and right. Which my my problem is that I will lose weight too fast, and you bottom out, and then you gain it back up so once you do get down to that like lower body fat that's when your hormone levels are just more reactive yeah when you already curve them out of balance in one way they're actually yeah, it, more finicky and when when what i've noticed is like i dropped 20 pounds in three months mm-hmm. and i made that cut at new year's once i got down to 20 pounds lost i i would i fluctuate between three four pounds I mm-hmm. go up go down go up go down go up and it, it depends on the day depends if i uh drank a ton of water last night or oh yeah if i'm dehydrated or if my if my bowels are full or I've, not you I know tell you my record for weight loss per time no it's nine pounds in two hours that's i don't know i don't even know how I've, I've, I've heard of hydration. Like, I've heard of UFC fighters dropping. That's wrestling. 18 pounds in a day. That's the, so the highest. Was, I think it's Kobe Covington did that recently. That's rough. Uh, I met a kid that did 11. It was back in uh, competitive wrestling days and yeah. two hours. And yeah, nine was enough for me. But that was nonstop. You're fighting the coaches in a 90 degree room. You're, you're at least, I, I can, there's a visible difference when I go run five miles but before I run and after I run. There's a mm-hmm. visible difference in my body uh, 
composition when I get back. And I've sweated profusely on that mm-hmm. part. Because, I mean, right now it's like 90 degrees, probably 60 to 80% humidity or whatever. Yeah. I look different. Well, your I'm, skin figure is going to actually change. Yeah, and then give it a couple hours and I'll probably look a little bit more bloated again because I probably chugged some Gatorade and well, ate some food and whatever. Reacclimate to the environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but back to my point, I, like I want to help people make better choices and then there's people that medically can't, that medically are not going to be able to maintain a good weight. I mean, they, there's like medical conditions that don't allow you to be very skinny. Thyroid cancer. Thyroid stuff, right? The only cancer where you get bigger. Like that, like, when, and you can usually tell when people have that problem. Mm-hmm. It ain't just bad habits. Cause I've seen, I, I, I've had friends and stuff that eat healthier than I do. And they are like, they are obese, but they also have a great cardio and workout regime. Like they're, they're almost, they're very athletic, but their body says otherwise. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, okay, this person eats healthy. They exercise Maybe there's something medically going on that, yep. and you, you're just not going to ask either. No, just, there's, there's some people that are just built different. I know a guy who some was people built different, yeah. 280 and he ran, I think a uh, 12 second 100 meter. <laughs> so I was, yeah, that would have yeah, hurt. Yeah. That would have really hurt to get hit by. But like waiting to the last second or waiting to the last month to start cutting weight, like you're just asking for issues and then you go and fail and you're like, no one can feel bad for you, you know, and, and then it, you know it's hap- You know that the PRT is happening every year. There's no validating or anything anymore. So it's it's literally a personal problem every single time, I think. Well, it's behaviors, man. It's if they first off we didn't give them the tools. We should be training children anatomy and physiology. Like I I don't see any reason why we have to go around saying you have a boo boo on your elbow and like well coddling right off the bat instead of just being like is it not just honesty to be teaching not, people so that person that's about to be i i, I assume well, i mean as children like isn't oh, it yeah, just yeah, being yeah. honest with them to reuse real world terminology and not try to take mercy on their poor little brains of all the big yeah, words yeah, yeah. if we just taught them the real word instead of lying to them for most of their lives yeah 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 <laughs> And then you wonder what happened because, like, like this person, I, I assume they're going to pass their PRT. They may, they probably had just had a bad day. Mm-hmm. Maybe they truly just had a bad day, and they, they typically always pass. I don't know their, I don't know the history. I'm just taking some stuff at face value. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we, let them slide by, they pass their bad day, and we pin them. They didn't learn anything. We just lied to them that hey, you can. We just facilitated their actions for the last two years. Was it that far off from, is it really lying to them or is it just playing society? Like you could say like for survival of the fittest is it's survival of the lucky. Well, you want, and, and then let's, let's go to the qualification thing. If you want it to be a quality program, you can't do stuff like that. There has to be standardization. So that's the other thing. They all have to get the same material. The problem was basically that the same instructors. The problem was, is someone went, jump chain command and went straight to the top and got mm-hmm. this person some time without going through me or my other first class. And that person ain't, isn't going to get good treatment, yeah. you know, after that. Cause that's, you can't do, you can't do that. 
you're just leaving people out of the loop. You, jumping chain of command is a, a, a big no-no. Yeah, it stomps on communication. And it diminishes <clears throat> the program as a whole. Because now we're, now we're in the situation. <laughs> we're in the situation where this person is going to get slid by or slid through the cracks. And people are going to be like, oh, so I can do the same thing. It doesn't matter, right? The PRT doesn't matter. That, that's one of the biggest problems, right? Because it's lost its weight. It's lost its weight. We don't. Unlike no some point. of the people that are failing it. But I mean, if you fail, there is repercussions. You don't. There's a lot of things you don't get. There's a lot of privileges you you, you lose. Mm-hmm. So there is. I'm not saying it doesn't matter at all. Should be waking up early in the morning at least three times a week to join us for FEP. Well, if you fail or even come close, you're on FEP. Mm-hmm. And you, I think you lead a lot of that, right? Oh yeah. What's I, the what's the what's the the attitude you get from the people that are on FIP? Do a lot of them are apprehensive. There? So there have been. It depends how people run the group, right? I feel a lot of people that don't succeed well in fitness uh, separate themselves from the ideal of being fit. They don't see themselves at it in the first place, and they. I think that's been worn into them by. It's a negative being, connotation. Yeah, yeah. From the get go. Well, I, I think they learned that just like any child. Like, oh, where Mom, did they learn to the say that? And the black like, sheep. Yeah. You said it. Yeah. Mom, Dad, <laughs> are you happy now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you get more in lines of instructors, like uh, physical fitness instructors, that are, you know, come on, try harder, and that's the best they can say. And that's how they're used to. Or the instructor that doesn't quite know what they're doing and is like, we're going to move these ammo cans. Or some, when I was in ACFL, some people treat it as like a punishment. Mm-hmm. And you you're just, you guys are going to work till you vomit. Okay, so I, I know I'm ranting about not coddling people, but at the same time. It's an important thing. When if So say you do have some sailors that are on FEP, you need to treat them correctly or they're not going to, oh, yeah. it's, it's still a behavior thing. So if, it's. If you, don't, if you don't treat them correctly, they're never going to want to fix themselves sorry not fix themselves they're never going to improve on I, that I would say correct situation. themselves is if not just a correct mental behavior a nicer way to say it. yeah uh, they're not going to correct their lifestyle habits mm-hmm. if if, Early you treat, death. if i say oh or call you names or you know like oh we're going to run since y'all don't know how to run i treat them like patients you have, yeah if you're <clears> if you're on, if you're ta- if you're leading a fep session they are not in a punitive status Mm-hmm. It's this is we're we're here as people. It's this is literally not, re-educating. I'm here to help you and whatever that however that needs to be, that's how I'm gonna make it. Yep. The whole militaristic thing should probably go away in that kind of scenario. Just like patient care. I I think Corman should be the ACFLs and CFLs. I think we're at the, every command? Yes. I, I, I think, think we that, are the most I agree qualified. with that. Not just Corman, but probably the PT techs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First off, it's their job, and yeah. they're familiar with the equipment, and they know they should already know contraindicated movements. Mm-hmm. Because if you know at the nearby base, like just what a year and a half ago, they had a fatality during one of their trainings with yeah, yeah, somebody. Yeah. So they didn't have the equipment first of all to resuscitate them on hand. They weren't abiding by having medical coverage. Yeah, they were doing it in a black flag environment, and they were doing. The hubris involved was outlandish. Like mm-hmm. the nature of the exercises, it was not uh, physically beneficial. It was toughness training. 
And that's what a lot of people expect. So they can, you'll see it when somebody shows up for FET and they've experienced toughness training. I'm all about quality training. Oh, yes. But if someone's going to get hurt, <clears throat> you've lost my interest. This, <laughs> this one individual that was leading physical training at the nearby camp, uh, it was, I counted four lower limb injuries in a two hour session in just yeah. one day. And the only reason I counted is because there were so many prior. They just injured people. They don't know what they're doing. A lot of that happened at Field Med. Yes. You have Marines who are grunts start PTing corpsmen who ha are not in the grunt lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And their their bodies are physically not ready for that. And then they go and you, you see it every time. A new class comes in, bam, you have five, six people in the first PT session on the side quitting because they're physically hurt. Mm -hmm. And they should quit. Right, so they don't injure themselves further. They're, no one, no one wants a tough guy that's going to really injure yourself, and then you're out of the game. You know, where's all our benefit going, or not just the benefit, but our benefits, like the defense spending bill? Yeah, how much of that is going to treating people that we broke? I, and I think Philmed is doing. I, I'm not saying Philmed is doing something wrong because you need that introduction. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a smarter way than that it can be done than the literal one I went through. I'm, I'm willing to assume that a, I have a similar experience than as many other people, but yeah, I, I don't like it. You give someone authority like an ACFL and they're like, mm -hmm. Oh, I get the, I get the run feppers. <laughs> have you ever used, heard that word? Oh yeah. <laughs> what? And I have actually heard like, we're just going to go till one of them vomits. Mm. And that wasn't even talking to, like, it was no intimidation. That was actually somebody's workout plan. There was no plan. They didn't give it the time of day to actually yeah, construct so it, a well-made plan. Let's digest that. It, you're, you're coming to a session with no plan, mm -hmm. but you want them to give 100% effort. But you to gave zero effort in the preparatory of that session. Yep. I hate that. I can't. I can't stand good old double standards. Mm, yeah, and and then I've I've had I've, I've been through situations where like I came fully prepared, you know, for a, an instruction. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm I'm teaching a class, and then an instructor comes up behind me, and then they're you know obviously did not prepare for yeah. the next class, and you're like, if I'm doing it, let's maintain that same standard. Or maybe I didn't prep for the, you know, it, if you want return, you have to put in equal or, or more effort what to should, get that. So you should always want the return. Otherwise, you shouldn't be in the position. You shouldn't be. Yeah. You should. You can't. So the old those can't do teach. Yeah, that's it doesn't really hold up. Yeah. Like you have to be able to. You have to be knowledgeable. You have to keep on trying to be more knowledgeable. You have to keep on growing. The best student is a teacher. Uh, the see one, do one, teach one, right? It's the teaching where you really hone the craft, where you start to see the novelties and the little facets of it that you didn't notice, that somebody wasn't able to articulate to you. 
Our brains are all, nobody's born with English. We learned it differently. So when somebody tells us something, we can interpret that however we interpret it oh, based I, on our experiences, right? <laughs> on our, our tools. It's yeah. not until you actually do it and you start to do it over and over and start to learn things. And a lot of, you'll get injured. You'll get, uh, you know, uh, errors, bad feedback. And you'll even learn from that. And that's going to be a knowledgeable practitioner. That's going to be the person that can actually say, actually, let's not do that. Uh, that can end poorly. Or while we're doing this, make sure you don't do this. Mm -hmm, yeah. They give proper cues. They're very mindful. They design the exercise in a proper way. It might be starting from core working outward. It might just be as knowledgeable as not to do uh, deltoids with biceps and pectoralis at the same time because those things together is the entirety of your rotator cuff, basically. Like all the integrity in your shoulder. If you do all three of those and then just simply sleep on your shoulder, oh, you're going to have a bad month. Yeah. <laughs> just from one day. I, re I recently just got back into like consistent. Like, I mean, I had surgery. I had to lay off for a month, not do anything. But now I'm getting back into a consistent workout plan, consistent cardio plan. And I'm trying to just take care of myself. Yeah. Longevity should be key. You will keep on growing just with the mentality of I'm going to challenge myself and do what I can today. Yeah. I'm not holding myself to a standard. If I'm going to lay down on the bench and I got 360 two weeks ago, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get 365. I have to grow. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't really care how much how much weight. One, I can't lift heavy. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm not a gym person, so I just literally don't lift heavy. Uh, two, I, I'd rather do... I feel like I do better in the gym when I do lower weight, high, higher reps... And I feel like I get a better con contraction. You kick your butt. Yeah. And, but if I do heavy, and I did this last night, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do some curls. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, but I, I was doing curls and with dumbbells, and I went heavier than I did last week. Mm -hmm. And it didn't do anything for me. It, I had to do lower reps, which yeah. I know there's that argument of like lower reps, higher weight builds whatever higher reps lower weight does this i'm like ah, it if i come out sore i feel like i did something you want to feel it the next day i want to feel it the next, i don't want to feel, feel it right i don't feel anything positive from yesterday mm -hmm. so if you're if you're working like the arm say biceps yeah okay. a common thing is to feel your brachialis your brachialis yeah. isn't your bicep if you feel your brachialis the next day you were throwing weight around. You did not concentrate it. There's something Arnold made, the concentration curl, where you're actually using abduction, flexion, and supination to you know, challenge both heads of the bicep equally. And what you'll end up feeling, like if you actually do this exercise, like it's madness. You will feel it right in the center of your bicep, not down towards the elbow, not up towards the shoulder. No, right here it's is just where smart. I feel it. Uh, Good. So what I do, well, if I do too heavy or do something weird, I do feel it here, which is not good. That's your Towards joint. the joints. Yeah. That's your joint, right? You don't want to use the joints. No. And the best the best thing I've found is a the skinny bar. I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm not a gym dude. No, not the. That's an easy bar. That's an easy bar. No, no, yeah. it's a it's a barbell, but it's skinny skinnier handle, shorter. Straight bar. Yeah, but it's not a 45 pound bar. All right. Well, be careful doing curls with straight bar. It puts your, it like forces supination. And instead of your bicep doing the supination, that's one thing. But if you have it locked in there so it can be relaxed in that shape, it'll actually, you'll get ulna pain 
Okay, I'll try the easy bar next time. But what what I do is I do lightweight, and I just I I, I try to have very good form, mm-hmm. and I concentrate uh, on that contraction. Yeah, and I do lightweight high reps until I feel a good you know good burn, uh, and that's what has helped so far overall. So the idea of exercise versus work, work is survivalism. You have to, you know, it's 1800s, you're living in Chile and the uh, hot months are here, it's time to travel up the mountain. You're gonna yeah. take what you can, hope your crops from that you planted on your way down are, are you know, sustained. Now it's time to carry stuff up a mountain, get there in time to make sure that you live this year, that you can get to your fields and get those crops sustained and that your kids don't die. That's work. Yeah. It's A to B, complete the objective. Mm-hmm. You make sacrifices when you do work. Uh, competitive form, lifting form, all right. Your competitor has this much weight, this is how much you can do on a good day, you have to do your best here. So what you're gonna do <laughs> is you're gonna start using more than just muscle. You're gonna use some speed. You're gonna bounce and uh, increase the modulus by preflexing your joints and then end up using some ligament. Yeah. You're going to use more tendon to make the overall work surface longer instead of just using the muscle. Elasticity only gets you so far. You need to harden it and bounce it like a spring. That's competitive form. It's very similar to work because competitive form, you're getting paid. The ideal, if you are a competitor, it's expected you are going to hurt yourself. You're making sacrifices to earn that paycheck to make money. Yeah, Therapeutic form... <laughs> That is the form where you are not doing A to B. It is go in there, move careful, full range motion, feel it, right? You go for the feeling. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to be doing some lower wep, or lower weight, higher reps. But it's is that true though, to the, your feel. Like higher weight, low reps build strength. You know, what they, they say, like one builds strength, one builds muscle. I'm like... If you're if you're working the muscle, you're working the muscle. So they're they're getting down to hypertrophy versus power, right? So I, I think strength they're intending power because that's the only thing we can. So the measurement of work, yeah, like you know what is it? Lowercase omega, mm-hmm. uh, horsepower, for instance. Yeah, you can't measure strength. I mean. Technically, like the breaking force of your Achilles is like 700 newtons. That's strength. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 700 yeah. newtons strong. <laughs> so, but, I mean, but if I'm a, I'm, I'm square zero. I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just now getting in the gym. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about that. I, I, right. I, I guess I would care about that if I was like, you know, a year into this, and I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I need to change it up. So, the best we got about hypertrophy. Uh, increased muscle mass uh you're going first off a lot of it's diet getting proper sleep controlling your hormones right yeah if you just boost your estrogen up to wazoo by drinking a bunch of beer uh, your body's going to be going for just all right store whatever weight we got just build mass if uh, you're getting plenty of sleep it'll actually increase your testosterone levels and it's all more on muscle repair it's not about building new muscle cells like tear the old ones it really is how fast can you repair the thing about anabolic steroids why they are performance enhancers just because they're controlling your hormones to repair faster that's the entire advantage you still it's put not in the work. just making them bigger yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I understood that part but 
I just don't see how like I need to get in the weeds of that it's, before I'm doing. It's like, actually very important. So the way you're going to do that, instead of injecting some foreign substance, you're going to make your body increase that substance. Yeah. So you're going to stimulate the largest muscle groups you got your upper leg. Uh, bodybuilders know all about this. They so if they're competing, it's actually a problem to have quads that are too big because now you're out of uh, form. You're uneven. Yeah, you look yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody criticized Arnold for having small triceps once, and he uh, in Conan the Destroyer, you see the one seat. He takes his sword and does this and flexes his tricep. That was after like months of doing three sets of triceps a day because they, was, they were criticizing his balance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyways, the problem with bodybuilders having too big a quads is because if you stimulate the larger muscle groups, it makes more HGH, human growth hormone. So you can't skip leg day. So they often say, so you have to lift heavy. Um, there is something to that because if you're doing like 135 on deadlift to plate on either side and you're capable of like repping it out 50 times at 225, the odds of you getting lazy with your form over 200 reps versus 20 reps are much higher. So yeah, you, well, yeah, that's about the time when you should be upping your weight, right? You should be challenging yourself, but the whole time, your form, you're going to go slow up. You're driving the bar into your shins, like you're taking it close to your center of gravity. So you're perfecting your form towards safety. If you carry it out away from your body, you're putting undue pressure on the back. So that's what I did. Like four, I did deadlift last night, and I did four sets of ten. Mm-hmm. I play on each side. That's it. Do you feel it? My Do you lower feel back it in your hamstrings. I felt I felt my hams when I was doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sore in my hams today, though. All right, good. But my so, lower back feels like I got a, a good workout in. It doesn't hurt. It mm-hmm. feels like I. It feels like a, a day after the gym. Like your your muscles are sore because you overloaded them. Good. So you just want to get that soreness right to there. So nowadays people are starting to recognize eighty percent is really as high as you want to go if you're building for hypertrophy or therapeutic. So hypertrophy and therapeutic are actually very very closely related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that you would follow up with is now where doesn't it feel sore? Not like hurt, but just I sore. don't feel like I I don't feel like I worked my hams that well. Well, then you would go back and hamstring curls and now you would start to isolate or maybe glute bridges, very isolated to make sure you're not using your lower back and you're just using the muscle group that you're at aiming at. Right now I'm just trying to get consistent three days a week mm-hmm. because I'm still a cardio guy I still bike and run that's what I care about so one thing that would be really good for you to add in is steamboats it's you know the band you go abduction flexion extension adduction yeah you can add that to the beginning of your workout uh, for increasing range of motion so that's going to give you more stability once you have more stability you're more fit to move in high ranges of motion so you can go to RDLs the running deadlift it's balancing on one leg and doing a deadlift with a weight very slowly. Now you're going to challenge the hamstring because you do a slight running motion very slowly as you move, but you're also moving your hips in the way to focus it on the hamstring. You're stacking them. There's a lot of concentration that goes into it. 
but that means now you have your hamstring. What about your gracilis? Got to get your inner leg. Yeah. So back with the steamboats when you were doing adduction, not ab, AD. Yeah. Alpha delta. Uh, bringing your legs together. Now you have to hit those because if you stimulate all the muscles in your upper leg, that's when your body's like, we need a little bit of work here, a little bit of work there, a little bit of work there. How much HGH do we need? More? Okay. And we need some here and here and here. And it's just the good soreness. Uh, you know, push on it and it's like, feels good. You know, just that little bit of feedback. Not the, I'm afraid to sit on the toilet seat. That's, uh, that's towards the overtraining that we all I overtrained last week. Yeah. I overloaded cardio for one. My garment was kept telling me like you're overreaching, mm -hmm. and it's not that I was like good, doing anything insane. It's mm -hmm. just that after a month of not doing anything, my body does not recover as well with the same level of volume as I was pre-surgery, yeah, or just pre, uh, you know, a month of not doing anything. It adjusts. So your, your so body. this week I'm just focusing on doing light, uh, light cardio, nothing crazy, nothing, nothing intense, um, and then just continue that three days a week and so last saturday i did legs and i get on the i got i put the bar on my back and did squats and mm -hmm. i ripped myself a new one because i put on weight that i did you know months ago when i was in the gym when remember I, when and I, and I put on weight and i was like ah uh that's not a good idea and i was sore for like days Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a good sore. It was the bad. Yeah, that's. Like I, I can't train I, now. I can't train. I had to take a day off. So that's the thing. So after and, when you're doing weight training, they say the the old information is like 72 hours. You'll increase your metabolism. Mm -hmm. That's the about your healing point, right? Your body is attuned to. I'll get it done in this much time. If your damage is extending beyond then, your hormones have already reacclimated to saving energy. Yeah. Everything in biology only exists to use as few calories as possible, to be a minimalist, be lazy. Biology wants to be lazy. So you need to cater that and not give it too much on its plate because it's not going to repair the damage that you give it too much of, such as scar tissue. There was too much trauma there for it to invest in more pluripotent stem cells, more, more, yeah, yeah. more, more. We don't have the calories for this. I am a human being. I am homo sapien. Like all my ancestry, like all of these, however many years that anybody could say that we have existed, says, if I invest more energy in this, I am not going to be fit for survival. I'm going to starve to death. Yeah, yeah. It's going to, that's all we can do. It's going to do a shoddy job at repair. Yeah, I'm not doing that again. So uh, th like this tomorrow night, I'm going to do legs again. Mm -hmm. If you're free, you you can come. Uh, Heck yeah! I'm doing the 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 gym at the hospital. I still got access, so me too. Yeah, I, I got, I'll probably go like eight thirty nine tomorrow night. If you want to, just hit me up if you want to go. I'm gonna do very very lightweight and just focus on mobility. And what I really like doing is doing kettlebell lunges mm -hmm. across the turf. Those are pretty solid, but. Just like anything, they can get dangerous. They're a uh, one of the what is it technical exercises. So I get that from like the climbers. There's climbing. Don't, don't then do it too fast. Climbing. One of the yep. Because I feel like if speed you speed kills force equation for force equals mass times velocity squared. Do you touch your knee when you lunge? Never. Always keep it suspended. Yep. You okay. got flexion on that patella right there and the ligament. If the ligament if you're is slamming being your knee into the ground and something pokes it, yeah, 
<laughs> so a lot of people actually have cysts in the patellar ligament, and we find out, like, volleyball players, they just blast them out. Same with their Achilles, too. Actually, yeah. volleyball players, they make more force with their jump than any other athlete. That's a crazy little thought. For whatever reason, <laughs> there's yeah. something about that training, that explosive training. But, yeah, force kills, or uh, speed kills. You can double the mass and you'll double the force. You double the speed, you quadruple the force. So when you're rushing through something, you're putting a lot of force you on your body. Don't force on ligaments and joints. Yeah. No, no, exactly. The other thing well, is not like too I much, was, I guess. What I was saying about the competitive lifting, the increase in modulus. CrossFit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, you I have two minutes to do as many of these as possible. I had a mother and daughter come in with torn labrums, like mm. together into the clinic it's like what were you guys doing yeah, yeah crossfit yeah. <laughs> they had a big whiteboard they put everyone's I, I, name on it i hurt my back doing crossfit because you know why it was gotcha excited <laughs> uh it was thrusters a mm-hmm. hundred as fast as you can yep every minute is like five burpees so it, like the first like couple minutes you're blasting through them and isn't that just the definition of point a to point b this is your, I'm getting, these are the yeah, criteria. Yeah, yeah. And you're not doing form. The problem with it, man, is it actually does give some pretty good immediate gains. Oh, no. I was probably the fittest I've ever mm-hmm. been. Well, you're at that point, you're recruiting so many muscle systems, but it's competitive form again. So I you like are making, functional fitness, but yeah. I think there's a better way to do it. <clears throat> so you could you should do everything that they're doing in CrossFit, but with complete Low. humility. Yes. And don't be fast on the form. You don't need to get up that weight a tenth time. And you don't have to have that weight. Like box jumps, wall balls, uh, all that stuff. Is, yep. It's just a good workout. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it builds cardio too. As a runner, you know that the louder your foot hits the ground, the more energy is being wasted. Yeah. Like that sound that you're hearing is vibration that had nowhere to go. Yeah. It was yeah, not yeah. transmitted into the ground. It wasn't bouncing your body off of it. In the same sense, like in the gym, if you see somebody box jumping and they're boom, just crushing down. Yeah. Just like slamming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's bad when you see people jump up on the box and then they just like slump off the box. <laughs> oh, and you're like, yeah, I felt that in my knees. I crouch down, put my hands on the box and I'll do kind of like a plank to lower myself down. Yeah, I just yeah. complicate the motion. Uh, make it. Harder. I would enjoy you, yeah, coming out and working out with me. When I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to say you have to come tomorrow, but uh, at some <laughs> point, maybe I just join you on one of your lunch PTs. Oh yeah. Because uh, I'm. I'm one. I'm trying to be humble about this gym stuff because I've. I've, ne- I've only. I've never been consistent with it. Mm-hmm. Never really got any significant uh, gains from mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I, my whole point of the whole point of me doing the gym is just so I'm not like some frail looking runner. That's it. I just, I don't want to look frail. Don't want to fit the stereotype. Yeah. I, I want to be athletic. So I need to put, and I, I want to be strong. Mm-hmm. So I need, I want to put on some muscle mass. And I know that if I don't do this like full time, I'm never going to be big. Cause I know that takes a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of food. Consistency is really what it is. Because like I was saying, like you would have to tell your body in the perfect timing, I need this much HGH in this much time. Yeah. And basically it's tactfully tricking your body into boosting that hormone over a long period of time. And that's 
hypertrophy. Now, if you can do that while performing movements that increase your range of motion, that was therapy. Yeah, because my, my week is I'll go run my Monday through Sunday. I'm doing something, and I typically take a, a day off, and it's usually – it depends on what I'm doing at work. So I'll pick a day where I'm, I know I'm not going to have a lunch period at work, and I'll just be like, mm-hmm. hey, that'll be my, my day off, you know, and I'll plan accordingly. But, I mean, I'll go run four to six miles a day, and I'll go to the gym. Uh, and then the next day I'm going to do biking 20, 25 miles and then go to the, and then not, not go to gym. And then Wednesday I'll do run gym or bike gym. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday I'll do, cause Tuesday, Thursdays are like the bike race nights. So I, I try to go to one of those every other week. Uh, nice. just cause the family can, uh, I, I enjoy family time. So yep. Tuesdays are the days that my wife works or doesn't work. So every other week she allows me to go to the bike race and that's like my that's my week that that twice a month i get some super high intensity cardio workout because it's a race mm-hmm. and it's uh, fun that's the other thing about it's fun. it yeah yeah and then so it, i don't really have any true structure because of work and family and, and my wife's schedule but i usually run i try to run 15 to 20 miles a week bike 60 plus miles a week and then i'm trying to go to the gym three days a week and for someone who doesn't do it's not it's that's that's a lot mm-hmm. um of volume and time for a person to have two kids a wife who works and a full-time job yep and i'm okay with that if, if i get what i just said if i can do that in one week i call that success most weeks i don't get it I don't get all that in. Something doesn't get the time. Something else takes that time. And yep. if I don't have it, I'm not sacrificing my sleep. Yep. Because um, then you're in the downward spiral. Yeah. And then, then, you, then you're just pushing further in the red. And I've done yep. that too many times where it doesn't end well. I feel it right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel great fans. now. So like, what, like last week, I overloaded. I did too much Saturday night. I had too much cardio for my body to... Uh, rejuvenate and then monday i was like hey i got i need to just not do anything Mm -hmm. so i just took the day off ate a crap ton of food and i felt great the next day (laughs) i don't know what combination of what helped but i'm gonna say it was probably sleep and food just bought brought all the nutrients back my my muscles got the rest Mm -hmm. and i just kind of like tucked that ego back in and be like uh maybe i don't need to go run five miles tonight and go to the gym (laughs) You know, <laughs> I'll yep. take a day off and then I'll just push everything to the right. One thing that you should watch out for is deadlift after running. It really, so running takes a lot of posture. So it actually is working your back a lot. I've, so I, I, I'm glad you pointed that out because like last night I ran, um, I had a three by three minute tempo. So a warm up five minutes, then three minutes on tempo, three minutes off and I did it three sets. So that's nine minutes of tempo work. Mm-hmm. And then I ran to the gym and then I went to the gym and I got, I, I, I ran out of energy and, 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 uh, one of our other friends, he's like, Hey man, I don't run before you go to the gym because you're not going to have the energy to do anything. And I've, for the most part, I don't, I, I don't think that's true because if I run every day, yeah, running doesn't, that's your normal. That's my baseline. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I explained that to him and he understands but if my baseline is five, three to five miles a day, 
I'm okay to do that and then yeah. go to the gym. The gym is the overload, right? Mm-hmm. But with a month off, your baseline is changed. My baseline is lowered. So yeah. I went to, I ran three tempo and three by three tempo and then went to the gym and I did my four sets of 10 deadlift off off the front. That's what the first exercise I did. Mm-hmm. And I did that, walked straight to the pull-up bar, did pull-ups straight to the, uh, I, I think I did, I, I, don't, I can't remember what, what was the other exercise. I think I did pull, curls, dumbbell curls. And I did four sets of that. So three exercises four times in a row. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was out. Then I, then I took like a 20 minute rest, I, just sitting in the gym. Uh, cause I, 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 I couldn't gather yourself. I didn't, I didn't have the energy. I, 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 I wasted it all on the run yeah. and the deadlift cause deadlift takes, for me, it takes out a lot, it's a more lot of the muscles that you have to use to run. It's specifically deadlift after running. Like even squat, I think is all squat, right. Squat puts out it. Squat hits me different. Mm-hmm. Just like deadlift hits me different than, you know, an up, upper body workout. Well, upper body doesn't yes. really do anything to me, but so deadlift is the work is the, uh, well, I guess anaerobic workout that makes most people vomit. Yeah, I've never vomited uh, in any exercise. Well, it turns their stomach. Nowadays, it's sprints on the row machine, and rightly so. Rightly so. Yeah. Uh, row <laughs> is. I don't know what result you would be thinking other than I'm gonna vomit after this. When I or got the, it, the assault bike, the aerodyne. Yeah, when I got into running oh. and hiking, when I moved out west, uh, I got I did it too much, too quick, and an mm-hmm. overuse injury on my knee. So I had to do the I did the row. That's what you want to avoid. And I did the row for a month and did 30 minutes a day, and that was the most excruciating cardio I've ever done, just mentally and mostly mental. Mm-hmm. Just sitting there doing the same thing over. Over. Well, you're just. I got good form though. It's repeating the form. Like in your head, you're not thinking about time or anything. It's how does that pool feel? And there's the full motion. Leg, hip, arm, arm, hip, leg, leg, hip. I see so many bad forms, dude. Now that the row is a a a PRT, Mm -hmm. and I I, do. I should have seen that lifting competition for a CG cup. I'm sure it was so silly. There was just. Yeah, dude. Uh, There's like this. I knew girl, we were gonna win. There's this girl, girl at the at the gym the other night, and she was obviously practicing for the PRT because it's the hospital gym or whatever. Yeah. And she was just. She was almost back. <clears throat> she was almost back. Okay, she went all the way back, and then she was almost back to the start before her hands went back. That's weird. I don't even know how it's yeah. possible, but that's what it looked like. She was going back, and then she was scooting back. A lot of extra movement. Extra movement. I'm like, yo, go slow. I, I, I'm i not going to be the one that goes and tell people to correct themselves. <laughs> now listen here, female. Listen. listen, listen <laughs> Let me, me explain this. One, I'm not an expert. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I need to say. I'm not an expert. But I got pretty good form when I did when I did it for a month straight. Uh if you do it slow and methodical, it's a great workout and the form is pretty easy. That's what all this comes back to. It takes a lot of time. If you actually do want the hypertrophy, the thing is you're going to blow out a lot of time and it has to be every, pretty much every day. You need rest days. So if you get to a day where you can poke every muscle and it's like, yeah, it's all nice and sore. All right. You already told your body to boost your HGH to 
take the day off, hydrate, yeah. as you always should have been. But as we got back to it, like with how do we uh, instill this in our sailors, we're already way behind. Like we're again, we're behind the eight ball. We need the, to make the PRT more important. Mm-hmm. Even if that, even if that means, hey, this this goes towards advancement or well, whatever. Fitness should have been more important by the time they got here. Like I've read people where they're like, hey, I ship out in two weeks to boot camp and I can't pass the run. I'm like, you, f- you Godspeed. <laughs> good luck. That's all I can tell you because if if the navy is your you got wheelies, if the navy is about to be your career and you didn't even prep yeah. to pass a PRT, which is number one. Like, do what you're told, pass the PRT at boot camp. That's yeah. like the only thing, right? Mm-hmm. Pass your swim call, do what you're told, pass the PRT, and get out of there. And you didn't even prep to do that. Someone didn't help you out. Your recruiters didn't set you up right. You yourself didn't set you up right. Anybody joining the Navy these days with all the information on the internet, like, you know better. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel bad for you when you get there because you're probably going to, hopefully, bootcamp preps you correctly and gets you the pass, which they should. Um, and then it goes back to like what you were saying, what is the right thing to do? What is the just thing? We can't give one person one treatment and the other person the other treatment. Mm-hmm. What is the right yeah. thing to do? How do we help this sailor when they were already failed for Well, so the decades. good thing is is that that person doesn't get, the, the Navy subreddit's pretty, uh, they can be aggressive, but mm-hmm. when someone asks for help, they are very helpful. So they're like, hey, this is how I prepped. This is how I did it. And they gave this person all this information. I'm That's, like, all right, I'm going to sit in the back because if I come in, I'm going to come in as the, as the aggressor. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you failed before you got there. Uh, and that's just my opinion. Because to me, if, if that's a basic requirement to be in the military, um, I'm going to make that a priority of mine. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm a, well, I do cardio because it's like the best mental health coping mechanism for me. Uh, not that I have mental health stuff, but everybody does. Uh, if you have if, thoughts, if you have thoughts, you have anxiety. If you have a you know stressors at job, like mm-hmm. you have to cope with somehow, and, and yeah. cardio is my way. So well, I, there are a lot of sailors out there, and soldiers, Marines, seamen. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah. There's a lot of people out there that don't know what to do with their anxiety. So they'll. I think it's bad education. If they if they were taught definitely, I think if they're taught from early age, like hey, you and gotta, then they practice it, and they practice it, like everyone's gonna have issues, and I, it's just sad when you have the the wrong leader that doesn't also that also doesn't help that person or educate that person. And well, that's then, the majority of leaders. You know what they should do, and I'm gonna end it with this: is they should make every LPO. Or everybody that makes E4 to E5 go through a psychology class. There you go. Start to understand yourself. Instead of getting home and cracking a beer, say, no, this feeling of discomfort, this anxiety I'm feeling is natural. It's all right. I'm going to find something else to do with it. Because what I... uh, Or instead of smoking this cigarette or putting this chew in, it's like, I have other ways... Maybe you need the anxiety. Maybe that anxiety is your body telling you you're not challenging yourself and Mm -hmm. you feel the droning of your life slipping past you and you are not living. Yeah. You need to do something. I think that's a good place to end this. Good as ever. (laughs) I hope you come on more often. Yeah. Yeah. This is fun, brother. It's a, a fine radio show. 
Uh, oh, radio. <laughs> That's what this uh, is, right? Sure. Is this the sound booth? It's, it feels like a radio show right now because people can see us. Uh, All right. This has been Dr. Fraser Crane signing. <laughs> Good night, uh, Seattle. Oh, yeah. Peace.